0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. The, the, like the, me, oh, me the... I
1: wish I could resize my pain every too, single day. Man. I was just Some say, days I'd make it bigger. <laughs> okay. Just to feel it. Just to feel right. something uh this is uh well speaking of feeling something this is uh thank you very much for listening to Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the trial cinema in minneapolis minnesota you can find us on twitter at trial podcast you can find the trial cinema at trial and cinema and at trilove.org where you can get tickets to showings uh for movies like the one we're about to talk about uh my name is jason Daphnis. tomorrow mademoiselle i will be all naked and you can find me on twitter at nintendofus
2: <laughs> i'm cody narvison when i was younger i was a tennis champion and you can find me on twitter at cody underscore bh
3: my silly comments incur the laughter of my friends. I'm Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry.
0: My name is Aaron, and I have to learn. If I have to learn to pronounce another French name for this podcast, I'm going to quit watching movies. I'm going to move to the woods. I'm going to become a hermit, uh, but I will still be tweeting, and you can find me on Twitter at RB, please.
1: I've got some help for you in the soundboard, Aaron Diabolique. Diabolique. <laughs> oh, that's actually very good. Thank you. Very good. Diabolique. What's the
3: French. <laughs> I know that this is Italian, but like uh, when you're speaking, you're, French- like
1: you're breaking like you're breaking a loaf of baguette. Sure.
3: <laughs> that works. Uh,
1: that's that's beside the point. Uh the point today is that we have a very special guest joining us. We have writer, movie goer, trilon volunteer, blogger, et cetera, et cetera. Finn Odom is joining us for the podcast for the very Woo. first time. Welcome, Finn.
4: Yeah, thank you. Uh you know, this is my first time in the spot of honor. People are gonna think of a podcaster now.
1: <laughs> um, unfortunately, as I informed you before you are, started recording, you are a podcaster. You're in it now, baby. Hi, thank you very much for joining us. Um, so let's start off the top with uh, uh, a little bit about you, Finn. What is your connection to the trial? On how would you get started there? What, what's your capacity? What's your? Give us the history.
4: Yeah, so I, I mean, I've always loved horror movies specifically since I was a kid. And when I got to college, I went to McAllister, did a media studies minor because it gave me an excuse to just shoot the shit. And my film professor, who is now a good friend of mine, I hope um brad if you're listening to this i'm sorry uh, he introduced <laughs> me to the Trilon during the kurosawa series a few years ago so we got to go see the booth and talk to nikki and like look at all the massive projection reels that i was very concerned i was going to break because i'm a clumsy person <laughs> Um, and i don't know it was kind of like love at first sight uh i kept going and then later in 2019 they started the blog again and so that's where most of my involvement has been is with the Perisphere blog cool uh and then later in like twenty twenty one, I started volunteering, which is a whole bag of things in itself. Um mm-hmm. you get to meet a lot of whack people, like very delightful people like yourselves, <laughs> and also <laughs> whack people like yourselves.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. uh, wow. You <laughs> yes. came on our podcast and immediately trashed us. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, can yeah. I can I ask you you're a big fan of horror films. Um, what's the best horror film you've seen at the trilon or your favorite, we'll say.
4: Oh, at the trial on.
1: Yeah, I mean the horrorthon is a pretty easy scoop, but I guess I guess I don't know your tastes well enough.
4: So, my favorite horror series is the Nightmare on Elm Street films, oh. and in the delayed horrorthon of last summer, they played Nightmare on Elm Street 2 on 35, and I almost cried.
3: <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> that that was probably so good too. It's so weird. It's,
4: it's the gay one. Yeah. It's so strange. God, it's, isn't
1: that the one that my film professor in college told me was all about homosexuality and didn't really get into that? We it's, didn't watch the movie like, or anything. Super, he's just like, is. This, this is a movie that's an example of uh, homoerotic subtext. And we just kind of went on. <laughs> it's, uh,
4: it's so gay. And the like actor who played the main character, who's one of the only male scream queens at the time, like he's gay.
1: Yeah. And he oh, wow. did
4: an entire like documentary about how this movie like impacted him.
1: Cinema yeah. Verite. Uh wow, I will have to check that one out. I've still never seen any of those movies. I'm too lazy to go to most horathons. I missed a lot of the 10th anniversary stuff. I'm a I'm a sleepy baby boy. You cannot blame me for this. I it's part of my charm. Um but uh, thank you very much, Finn, for joining us on this S- Sunday afternoon. We'll try to keep the time tight so that you can get to actually the trilon later today for us for greeting, right? Yeah. Can you tell us what you're showing?
4: Well, I am working uh, today for Diabolique, so I'm going to see it my second time, and then just kind of hang out, say hi to Nikki. Um, I will not be watching Perfect Blue, uh, (laughs) because I'm going to be picking up a shift tomorrow night to see Perfect Blue as well.
1: Nice. Okay, Okay, so you're not going to miss it. Uh, I must, once more though, because I heard the name of this film as pronounced, I must Diabolique. (laughs) Diabolique. Diabolique. What is uh, this Aaron, <laughs> <I apologize>. Aaron, <laughs> so Aaron please speed. give
0: us that. Yes, summary. we today are talking about the film. Jason, one more time.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I need to tam over. Uh, this is the movie called uh, Diabolique. Yes,
0: 1955 Diabolique. film directed by Henri-Georges Brousseau. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's three based,
1: times. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> based uh, and kind of... Option from a screenplay and like a version of but but kind of loosely based on the novel She Who Was No More, uh by Pierre Beaulieu and Thomas Narcajac. Again, I am not good at pronouncing French names. So I I'm gonna do all the actors at the top YouTube here. That I can pull. Yeah. No, probably not. Uh starring Simone Signore, uh, Vera Clouseau, uh, Paul Marisse, and Charles Vanel. I think I think I got all those okay. Hey. Uh, film, thank you. The film follows Christina. De La Salle, De Salle. yes, the owner of on, uh, and a teacher. Do you, do you want me to take this from
3: you? That's the easiest I, one. <laughs>
0: you know, you know what the problem is because you, you, you. I did put in time, like I need to learn how to pronounce these actors. But then you, you get to that's oh, like they're still seconds? playing French characters. Oh, they're yeah. still playing characters with their own names. It's awful. I'm, I'm uh, literally
3: downloading the Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon um, picture <laughs> so that you. I can get your ass with a tweet <laughs> as we speak, Aaron, when he tries to introduce you new know, French name. the film follows
0: Christina who is the owner of and a teacher at a boarding school uh, in Saint Cloud uh, near Paris, France. Her husband Michelle uh, runs the boarding school however and is, he's just a terrible guy. He's abusive, he's manipulative he's cruel uh, to to Christina and the other staff at the school and the kids as well. Just all around uh, a terrible person. Um, Nicole uh, another teacher at the school has been having an affair with Michelle but both Nicole and Christina kind of they nevertheless bond over this kind of mutual, uh, passionate hatred uh, of Michelle. Uh, when Nicole and Christina are finally pushed past the breaking point, they develop a plan to kill Michelle. Uh, despite complications, they do go through with the murder, uh, but things take a turn for the worse when Michelle's body disappears from the pool that they hid it in, and a private detective named Alfred begins to investigate Michelle's disappearance. Uh, the film is, is often noted uh, for having uh, inspired Hitchcock's Psycho, um, indeed, Clouseau optioned the screenplay rights for uh, She Who Was No More um, after being told of the novel by his wife, Farrah, uh, right before Hitchcock could. So I guess there's an alternate universe where there's a, a version of this film directed by him. Maybe that's worse. Maybe that's better. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> apart from that, however, the film stands as this uh, classic horror film uh, and has been massively influential on the genre as a whole. and I was I was happy uh, uh, to see this one. Uh, Finn. Uh, you like this film. You've seen this film. You also wrote about this film, it should be said. I I guess, what are your thoughts? Uh, What's your your kind of take having watched it uh, this time? Well,
4: you mentioned uh, basically the entire reason I wrote my piece, which was that Vera Clouseau handed this book to her husband, like right before they went to bed. And she said, I want you to read this. And he read it immediately that night, and then like went to option the screenplay rights the next day. Um, And so my piece on the Perisphere is about Vera Clouseau's impact on her husband's filmography because he like the working title of that was Francis Greatest Simp he named his production company <laughs> after her he wrote he wrote in roles for her specifically mm-hmm. made so she could act like he loved this woman so wife much guy wife guy Clouseau you know love a wife guy um <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's just so crazy because she died really young of a heart attack. Which and is whenever people talk awful about her, i hear
3: about that because this movie
4: <laughs> Yeah. Man, well, that's oh, it, like, that's what people will say. They'll be like, oh, she died the same way her character died. It's like she was a person <laughs> who yeah. is literally the reason this movie was made, the reason Clouseau made so many like writing choices and like choices within the film. Um and it's like you gotta give her more credit than just like, oh, she mm-hmm. died the way Christina died. Ugh. So that's that's I kind just, of where I came from when I wrote this piece. Um, I don't know. I also wrote the piece without seeing the movie ahead of time. So that was a kind of fun experience. A little insight to how whoa. I write.
1: Had you I, what?
4: Yeah. I. So when I write for the Perisphere, I try not to do the like, I'm going to tell you everything that happened in this movie. Because I think there are so many different things that go on into film production. So uh, a lot of times my piece will be about like some of the themes in the movie, but then the greater historical context of what's going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I really wanted to see it on 35. So I didn't watch it before I wrote the piece.
1: Wow. Brave.
3: You heard it (laughs) here first, folks.
1: Fraud Finn Odom pens (laughs) piece without watching film. Uh, No, that's, that's excellent. Um, now you talked, you, you wrote a little bit in this piece about how actually Clouseau and uh, Signore didn't, well, actually Clouseau, the Clouseaus didn't get along with much of anyone during the production of this film. Like they had a, a particular, or excuse me, a particularly rancorous um, relationship to a lot of people on this movie. Uh, does that come through to you at all in the, in the actual like watching of the movie or have you seen it by now? Am I exposing it? I've seen it uh, by runner? now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just making sure. So when you're watching the movie, does that like ring true? Cause I didn't know that there was uh, you know, tension on set between these people.
4: Clouseau had beef with literally anyone he worked with every movie he's worked on. He's been in, he, he was like awful. Mm. Um, and I've seen two of his films and I can't tell, you know, I think if there was anything that I did notice, it was the lighting. So this is one of those things that when you talk about Diabolique, it's like Christina and Nicole are the two leads. And whenever you see them side by side, uh, Vera Veraclususo's character Christina, is always lit, and you can see like the outline of her face, but it's very bright and then you can see all of Signore's like features. you can see the shadows <laughs> under her eyes. She's truly like depicted as the like vaguely nefarious mistress. yeah um, and that's feel good you know
1: yeah, I, I guess not knowing the context of this movie, I kind of loved the way that they're both framed though um there's a mm-hmm. lot of like significant uh I'm not smart enough or like. Uh, I guess worldly enough to know what queer coding really is like but I'm assuming that there's a good bit of it in the first act of this movie anyway right between Nicole and Christina uh, how they're always like one is framed as a very like masculine in control type Um, uh, the term I believe is butch just like very strong there present uh, broad and always kind of wearing like like far less feminine coded clothing, I guess maybe I'm just reading far too into these characters, but she's sort of like the one leading the plot. She's the one who reassures Christina over and over. Um. So like while watching the movie, I really love that she's painted as kind of like a little bit of a monster uh, throughout the movie because it does, it foreshadows a lot of what is going to come in the plot. Um. We can talk about the ending because I don't think that I, in my opinion, it could have been a much stronger ending. I sort of wrote the ending as it was happening and I was like, let's, Let's go. And then it's just like, nope, we're actually going to subvert that before we've even established that as like a cool trope. Um, But anyway, uh, my overall thoughts are I want to talk about um, I want to talk about how in the middle act, this movie gets a little bit plottier and way more toward the like detective noir than I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be like when Harry and I were talking about it before seeing it. I thought. I wanted like the innocence, like psychological thriller, like uh, really horrible undertones that are sort of like vaguely hinted at throughout the movie. And then it just straight becomes like a Columbo detective story, uh, halfway through the movie. And then sort of, again, swoops toward that ending. That's way more, um, way more bizarre mm-hmm. than I ever would have thought it would have gotten. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, over the course of this conversation, their motive for the murder, like, because, uh, and spoiler alert at the very end, it's revealed that, um, the, uh, the husband and, uh, Uh, Nicole have conspired to sort of uh, take uh, Christina's boarding school away and like sort of inherit her riches, etc. But at the very beginning, it is set up as like, oh, he's a bad guy and he needs to die. And it's as simple as that. Like, no man, mention of the, uh, fortune as, as a motive, no mention of like, um, having, you know, benefiting at all, except to have this person out of their lives. So as those motives start to change, I guess my feelings about the movie started to get a little swimmier and I started to like lose my footing a little bit throughout the film. I guess that's part of the point. It's very French. It's very like, keep you guessing until sort of the last very, very last act. Um, and then I want to talk about the ending. Like I said, it's sort of got this like this in retrospect, very like Classically pulpy noiry. We were setting the pieces the whole time for you sort of thing. Um but the twists I don't know if they uh stuck at the landing for for my own tastes, but I'm sure we'll all have our own takes about that. Um I'm gonna pass off to uh Cody, as is tradition. Cody. Excellent. Thank you. Uh traditional... Did you say excellent? It, no,
2: I well I was trying to like also stifle this weird gurgle that came up in my throat. So we maybe I talk butchered about the word the gurgle. excellent. Let's, Let's just talk move about it forward. forward. Let's talk about the gurgle that is this movie. That's Whoa. a metaphor that will make work later, uh-huh. I'm sure. That'll come back. Um, yeah, I've seen uh, this movie one other time. It was about a year and a half ago. And the things that really struck me then and still struck me upon our, or my rewatch last night at the Trilon, um, I I like how movie uh, moody this movie is. The moviness. The moodiness hmm. of it. Um, it's just like a, a real... Pleasure to watch, to just look at this movie, um, and some like especially stylized sequences, um, which I sort of say like I think after the movie I was like these sequences in a vacuum are like really spectacular, which to me is my bullshit way of saying like if you know nothing about French cinema or even movies in general like you watch these sequences and you got to think like man these are like some really great scenes the the sedative sequence where um uh, uh the lady de la salle is trying to get um you know a douchebag a douchebag douche to take a sedative and just the build-up to that was great the climactic sequence with the shadowy sort of corridors leading up to the bathtub scare um, i also quite like that uh, a lot. Um, and I also like the performances of the three leads quite a bit. Um, they, they understood the assignment, I think, as the, the, the kids say, um, uh, the kids don't say that any longer. Um, I'm and embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, listen, um, anyways, the, the, the narrative sort of misdirects, um, I won't speak t- to, you know, in too much detail about those as well. I'm sure we'll get to those. Um, uh, and especially the climactic sort of misdirects they they didn't necessarily enhance my my viewing of it, but I appreciate that they were there and you know they've in turn influenced probably a lot of other similar works um and so that's you know that's pretty cool i tr- I try not to like condemn movies for like being too quote unquote predictable or if they don't unfold in the way that I might want them to, I think of them less, but like if the underlying sort of impact or meaning of the aforementioned alternative unfoldings might mean more to me than I might, you know, feel a certain way about it, which is to say, I liked this movie well enough. Um, even though I did maybe find myself wanting it to be something else, uh, that I might like more. And there are enough, I think, breadcrumbs present for uh, like any number of, uh, uh, there, there could have been a, a few different ways that this movie went. And like I said, I'm sure we'll get to it, but, um, yeah, there were some great reactions from the Trilon crowd uh, at our screening last night. Um, it was uh, a nice, nice enough looking print. I'm still not savvy enough to comment enough on the quality of of prints, but um, uh, some blemishes, but it, it looked great. Um, the viewing space was great, obviously. I mean, it's the fucking Trilon. What, what do you expect? Um, and I had a really good time revisiting this movie. Um, but I, I do have to pause my, my caravan here. I'm, I'm trying to fend off this. Extremely uh drunk looking soldier. Uh he claims his name is Harry. Um so here, maybe if I give him this microphone,
3: um I can distract him enough so I can you make my getaway. What that was, was that thing that he was like blowing? <laughs> I, I want it so bad. That that thing where he like would go you know, that um just a anyway. Party that was great. A, a
1: kazoo or whatever? Like really a voo-wiz That was the transition.
3: I don't know what <laughs> you would call that, but yeah, it's a voo <laughs> There you you go. go. Um, Yes. uh, Yeah, I think, Cody, you characterized it really well. I think that um, I went into this podcast sort of expecting to come down kind of hard on this movie, which I feel bad about. Um, But then I read uh, Finn's article, which is very good. So you should read that. And um, the sort of historical context around this, and especially how influential it is, really makes me like it. I think where I've landed on it is that I'm not sure that I historically like the sort of strain of filmmaking that this represents that this is even sort of like maybe the quintessential idealization of Um, it's the, the whole thriller thing is very hit or miss for me, even with people like Hitchcock, right? Like I think that my favorite Hitchcocks are like um, vertigo or rear window or psycho, which kind of use the thriller aspect as an excuse to unpack like, interesting Mm -hmm. characterization. I think that that is kind of lacking in this movie. I think that the characters are relatively two dimensional. Finn, you brought up in your article that like Vera Clouseau is not an amazing actress. I think that that's a really well taken point. Um, I think that that contributes to the, um, the weakness of the character that's sort of at the heart of this movie, at least in my opinion, I don't, I didn't love her characterization and I didn't love the way that they, um, sort of chose to continuously, um, re-represent that characterization rather than building momentum or Mm. progressing the relationship between the two women. Um, I'm thinking about like, particularly in the second act after the murder has been committed, there are like four or five distinct conversations that accomplish exactly the same, uh, point rather Mm. than sort of like further exploring the relationship between the two women. Um, and like Jason, you had (laughs) said, I think that ultimately this kind of falls prey to a lot of what I would call the twist movies, uh, weakness, right? Which is that you kind of end up writing a better movie in your head. Um, I really <laughs> like the movie that you uh, mentioned at the end of our viewing, Jason. Um, I had my own about the idea that Vera Clouseau's character was going to be the sort of mastermind all along. Um, there were a bunch of other manifestations that I think ultimately would have been more interesting than what we got. Um, that's not necessarily a problem for the movie, but it just does sort of speak to the sensibility of the movie that like, even the the sort of like spoiler- Uh, element at the end where there's this fantastic iconic (laughs) moment where they're like, don't be diabolical, don't spoil the ending. But it's like, (laughs) I think that like, by saying that you're really signaling that like, this is a movie about the game of solving the movie, right? About feeling a certain, Mm -hmm. like feeling the twists and feeling the thrills. And it's a completely like sensibility thing for me, but I just don't think I'm as interested in that sort of mentality of filmmaking as I am in characterization and at drama right like even sort of like i i'm all for dramatic irony i'm all for all of that but like i don't think i need twists or if i need twists then the thing i'm feeling from the twist is how it impacts the character much more so than the twist itself um and i found these characters relatively two-dimensional and i also found maybe because of the two-dimensional nature of the characters there are just a lot of hanging threads here that that um Maybe are left over from the novel, and maybe are something else. But like, for instance, I didn't think that it needed to be set in a school. That felt like a complete Mm -hmm. hanger-on to me. And Finn, in your article, you mentioned that that's maybe because the original plot was insurance based rather Mm -hmm. than murder. Um, Finn also mentioned in in your article that um, there was a lesbian subplot, which like I really, really wanted this movie to be right. Like these two like badass ladies committing crimes together to like get revenge on this dude who did them both harm is like fucking awesome. Uh, And I knew it wasn't going to be that because it's a 1955 French movie, but they, they set it up so well. Like they were this odd couple, like they didn't really get along. They had this very complicated, long history with one another that shit rocks. Right. And so like Mm -hmm. when it fell by the wayside, primarily to be replaced by the world's most annoying retired detective, um, I was <laughs> I, I fucking it, it, man. I, okay. worst. Uh it was it was like Colombo, but it was like, hey, what if like what if colombo but you weren't on colombo's side like what if you were exposed yeah. to like being the guy who a bad guy colombo
0: sounds cool this is the flaw in your argument that that's, an evil Columbo. <laughs> and also like
3: yeah. you're right in that like if you were as panicked as these people were and i think that's like my favorite part of this movie is just the fact that like getting away with murder is hard because you have to live with the fact that you did it like that's a really good like seed in this movie um yeah. but I I wish that they would have explored that more, I guess, the paranoia, the guilt. I think that that kneecapping that at the end with the sort of twist that it was all planned all along kind of did it in for me a little bit. But Hmm. uh, I am now rolling my fake, uh, my giant fake contact lenses uh, that looked so (laughs) painful to put in my eyes back to reveal that I was alive all along uh, (laughs) in order to scare Aaron into giving me his takes. What do you got, Aaron? Yeah, well, it's nice to see that you're taking a bath, at least. Uh, no, no. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. No,
0: no, no. Uh, he, here's what I kept thinking of during this film. Uh, there, it. Uh, I, I went to school, university, I guess, uh, at the University of Minnesota. Lived on the West Bank freshman year. Uh, and there's a cafe uh, on the West Bank. Cody, I think, may get what I'm getting to here. Cafe called the Hard Times Cafe. Uh, that is right. great. Shout out to the That's Hard cool. Times. I believe they're That's no longer hard. like... Yes, they're no longer open like 22 hours a day. They probably toned down quite a bit. Haven't been in Minnesota for a while. But I have a very distinct memory uh, that I believe of a thing that I believe is still there, that right above the kind of the checkout uh, register that, of course, only takes cash, because this is like a vegan punk rock cafe, uh, like up up near the ceiling, up above the register. There's like a bumper sticker that says uh, in all caps, uh, husband abusive, try poison. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I always have loved that. I've always remembered that, and I thought of that so much during this film uh, because I, I love just the idea of these these two ladies with different personalities, like just fucking killing it's this not, guy who sucks. Right? It's so yes, good. It's very good. Uh, which is also, I guess, to say that I, I guess I would uh, generally agree that the end of this film is is kind of maybe a bit of a downer. Um, which I will say, uh, I do think it's a genuinely good twist. I did not see it coming. I mean, I, I guess I had assumed at that point that, that yeah, the husband was still alive, but maybe it was someone dressing up. Maybe, I guess I didn't know, but I, I do think that the twist ending, maybe if you think about it, it kind of falls apart, but I think it does work as, as Harry describes it, right? This movie about trying to guess the, the game here and to figure out what's really going on. I think it does work in that manner. And I do enjoy it from that standpoint. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mean to backseat direct the film, but like, I think that I, I kind of like the first eighty percent of this movie more than kind of the very end. Uh despite I think the the very end of this film having a I think genuinely like tense and like 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 very effective uh a climax I, I think that, that works quite well. That was um, one of the one you
3: mentioned, right, yeah. Cody? Sorry to interrupt, but like that scene where I think she's like in the hallway and she keeps like almost missing him as he's like yes. wandering through the, the shadows, yeah, rocks, and the, yeah. dude. Yeah, that like it's so well lit too. Which, which is,
0: I guess, my my hot take here that I'll come through with is, I think Vera Clouseau is quite good in this movie. I think she is very good in this film. I don't. I know she's like the thing about her is like she gets shitted on a lot, uh, uh for maybe uh, being in films alongside. I mean, look, I, Simone uh, Signore is like excellent in this film. Like, I think clearly, like the stand, every scene she's in, it's like she's so
3: good, so man. That is a
0: fucking actor. Like, yeah, amazing. Uh, but I think I think Vera does a very good job. I mean, um, I you know I think that. Her character is kind of, it's unfortunate that she, you know, she is defined by this kind of this heart condition that that renders her like very physically weak and kind of um, incapable often of dealing with kind of the horror of the idea of her husband maybe still being alive and in the building and whatnot. Um, she is often the one who is kind of being told what to do, uh, which I think fits in with mm-hmm. the plot. Um, but I think that her character... Uh, alongside Simone's character, um, I think that those two work very well. Like, I I don't necessarily view it as a weakness of the film. Uh, I think that those two characters kind of round out uh, this one aspect of the film in this interesting way. And I think that the way that the film plays with some of that, there are scenes later on in the second half of the film uh, where... um, where Christina actually kind of starts to to kind of take a hold of the situation over Nicole. And I think that shifting dynamic is actually quite quite fascinating. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say that it necessarily nails it on the landing, um, but I, I think that, that I, I kind of dig what this film is going for. And I think that kind of similar to the, we talked about Laura, either at the end of last year or earlier this year, that's a film that maybe the ending doesn't quite nail it, but like I'm willing to accept an 80% that I find to be like really fascinating and solid even if the ending lets it down maybe a little bit. Um, So yeah, I dug it. You know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Vera stan. I will stand for Vera. I will defend her honor against anyone who attacks her.
3: It's a really good point uh, because like, I don't mean to, it it was maybe a little bit like even misogynistic of me to like lay that at her feet because like that character is a problem for this movie. In my opinion, it like kind of Mm -hmm. operates on like a misogynistic shorthand, right. Of like, you're supposed to understand very quickly that she's like the fainting woman. That she's like the the hearted She does faint. Person. Yes, she does. And she does faint. Like yes, that's like so important. And again, like I think it makes sense in relation to Simone's character, like you had said, Aaron. But it does create this annoying problem where like she is she is often acting so close to stereotype that it makes for scenes that are that are very frustrating for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
1: there's not to like contradict that directly because i think what you're saying is right like her character and the way that she plays it are like perfectly in sync this sort of like weakened shell of a person who's like not physically uh like capable of a whole lot and always infirm etc and like in ways a drag but i think necessary as the role um but there is like that really this one shining moment and i don't know if it returns to it very often uh early in the movie where uh Michelle and um and uh, uh Nicole are talking about Vera two like in front of her face and and they say uh she's she's in ruins ruins are indestructible she will be the death of us all and it was like Mm -hmm. oh shit they like yeah that they poke at her they make they make you know fun of the fact that she's not fun but like they make uh light of the fact that she's terminally ill probably but at the same time they sort of know underneath that like she is a serious roadblock to whatever plan that we've got because she's like an actual impediment to uh our to at least michelle's stated mission at that time right uh, it, like like Harry was saying right after we got out of the movie, his the hypothesis at the end of the movie was that she was going to have been the one like conducting the whole thing. The Vera was going to be like the mastermind of the whole plot. Um, I don't, I don't know that I would have seen that coming. I think that would have been a good, better ending too. Uh, we're getting into different territory because ruins are indestructible,
3: bro. Ruins <laughs> like... are
1: indestructible because they're already destroyed. That's the subtext. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a couple of hands up, but I don't remember whose was up first.
2: Um, I think it might have been me, and I'll, I'll I'll try to be brief. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm also on on team vera and i'm not even not even to say that like hers was you know the best performance but i do think it like she's not punching above her weight class not to just throw it back to sports but like i i think the specific like utility that character occupies uh, I, i like one specific thing that i really like um that she did and her character were doing is um like the way that Vera um whoops the about my table the way that Vera was portraying um Christina uh Christine Christina Christina I I have a good memory um is um like the way it sort of informed the characterization of, of Paul maurice's portrayal of Michel de la Sal and like uh, um he is not a a particularly physically imposing person. He's very distinct looking, but he's not like, you know, um, and obviously we know he's capable of like physical um, violence and manipulation. Um, the movie makes that very clear. And, and maybe the source material does as well, but he's not like a classically like, you know, he's not six, four but he is, he's, you know, this French Walter Matthau looking motherfucker. He has a very distinct, <laughs> he has a very distinct look to him. Yeah. And the way, uh, the ways in which um, Vera is able to play, Scared and timid and frightened. Um, you know, for all the shortcomings that may come with like the writing of her character, but like she is bringing that to the screen, and that in turn helps characterize this guy as like, you know, uh, as the the menacing person that uh that he is so i don't know i like how those performances sort of feed into each other and that is i think another point in her column that like she plays her role extremely well and she helps um you know uh she's kind of she's kind of like the you know the the glue guy as the wow another sports thing um that's that one's basketball but sort of the glue guy who helps like build the performances of of those around her um i'm going to stop talking about sports
4: uh to continue talking about sports and use a metaphor of my own like let's <laughs> oh! go. <laughs> A rugby scrum is only as strong as, like, as long as everybody in the front line is, you know, stable and supported. And I think as much as she's not the greatest actress, she's working with what she's been given. And it's so crazy to me that, like, originally, in the book, the husband and the mistress plotted against the wife. And so they kill the wife, and then it's, oh, no, she's still alive. And that's where the lesbian plotline comes in. So
2: Mm. the wife
4: and the mistress film. and the reason Clouseau... because Kuzo wasn't a homophobe, you know, shout out to him for doing one good thing. Um, he broke
3: <laughs> that. <laughs> his wife, but he was chill with whatever anybody else had. Right? He was yeah. just so wife guy that he couldn't be homophobic.
4: <laughs> no, I think de which I'm not pronouncing correctly, um, has like a lesbian character in it. So like he's he's down right. the clown. Um, he just wanted her role to be like as sympathetic as possible. Uh-huh. So he is gonna like yeah. pitch her as this like. Weak-hearted young woman who has you know, strengths. times she does want to divorce this yeah. guy. She just can't, um, and is eventually like the victim of this horrible scheme where she does eventually ruin them.
3: Man, um, can you imagine feel- how good this movie would have been if they would have done that? Though, like this would have been the handmaid. Yeah. If they like, yeah. if it would have been the wife is still alive and at the end they make out, or, or way something.
0: more problematic, yeah. or or like way more horrifically <laughs> bad in every way. I don't know. I feel like it could yeah. go either direction. It's you a know, tightrope. It's a tightrope.
1: Yeah. Um, Hey, Cody brought up uh, uh, Michelle De La Salle, um, Vera's husband, and the uh, "quote unquote" victim of the murder that sets off the plot. Um, I, I wanted to talk about him a little bit because I know Cody you said he doesn't have a whole lot of like an imposing physical presence or anything, and he doesn't. I think it is like it rebounds so much away from him being imposing that he's really just this disgusting little creature. Like he has an awful, like slimy, gross physical presence that made me feel yeah, like yeah. like my skin like. His suit never fits. He always looks wet even before he's drowned. His, his <laughs> like, He could have had, had those eyes things in for the entire plot. He's a very not noticed man. Noticed. That's true. He always looks oh. like he's drowning in that I suit before he drowned in for in
3: real. His dead body <laughs> and his wife goes, he's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. fuck yeah. Married
0: him. Look, all men look like that when their hair is wet. Though There's just no good way to have the I, hair in front of I don't of the, think I grew up with true. hair like that and it's brutal. I look brutal. pretty
1: hot with my hair wet and down. Okay, I believe you. I just wanted to bring him up because, like, that was something that I, I, I took a note while I was watching the movie. That yes, everybody's acting their ass off. Yes, everybody sort of feels like they fit in, you know, jigsaw pieces of this puzzle. But whenever he's on screen, he's like the one soggy piece that you can't get quite to fit. He's just like this gross, disgusting thing, uh, and I could not like shake him from my head. He like haunts the entire movie. Obviously, like thematically resonant with like the middle of the movie being all about who ki- like how close are they getting to finding out who killed him and where actually his body you spend so much time thinking about the physics of this man's body they say that he's naked you see his clothing left the, they say that they found a body in the sen all this terrible stuff that just makes you forces you to think about the corpus of this gross man and i could not for the life of me figure out like is that is that helping the movie or is it not how much you got to think about him uh and just his presence as as like a body as a person um uh finn does that spark any thoughts for you
4: I mean, he's truly disgusting. I cannot stop thinking about that early scene where they're at the table in the dining room with everybody. And his colleague is like, can I have some wine? Like, imagine having so much like power, but like being such a dick that your employees are like scared to drink a little wine with you. That's Mm -hmm. also diluted. Yeah. Yeah. There's that line Wait, later uh, on. Where it's like I can compare wine so now.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's worth shouting out the uh, like the I don't know what to call them like the the other employees of other this teachers. boarding school. Who, yeah, I didn't I didn't I didn't mention them in kind of the actor summary, but they they're all like uh, it. Kind of works in two ways. One, they're like kind of goofy, and uh, there's a lot of delightful scenes where they're just like talking amongst themselves, and they're like, "Oh, he's been gone for a while. I finally get to buy some good wine and like mm-hmm. enjoy it instead of like the the vinegar that he makes us drink." <laughs> Uh, and that's really nice. But also, like, them them being that goofy and kind of humorous, uh, it kind of works to, like, structurally kind of limit the possibilities of what's actually going on here, right? Where, like, around three-fourths of the way through the film, you just start, like, searching for ways that this situation could be unfolding. And you think, like, maybe it's, this is at least what I did, is, like, oh, it's, maybe it's one of the other employees at the school, like, dressing mm-hmm. up, uh, you know, uh, like like her husband and, like, using that to his own advantage. But then you see the scenes with him, and they're just they're just like goofy and kind of ambling about and it's like it 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 makes it feel like there really is no possibility here and like your mind is just like searching for something and and that feeling of like i don't see how this is going to end is like mm-hmm. i think what makes mm-hmm. the ending even if disappointing, like effective, like narratively. Um, sure. It, it, sure. That kind of helped it work for me.
1: I will remember it. And I wouldn't want to go to this point of our discussion uh, if you hadn't like set up the pieces so well, Aaron, but like my take on. Yeah. Like, I, I want to talk about the ending um, and we can come back to other points in the in the conversation. But I feel like this is on the tip of everybody's t- everybody tongue. Anyway, the ending of the movie. Uh, just to recap for people um it, re- it has turned out that Michelle is still alive that uh, he and Nicole faked his death to uh s- literally scare Vera to death um taking advantage of her weak heart and health condition to uh, scoop the school out from underneath of her get her wealth and riches as part of you know her dowry I guess which bought the school and sort of seize control etc um this is after a long like a lot of breadcrumbs that point you in every different direction and leave you guessing as to who maybe is is uh, gaslighting her or um, sort of like uh pursuing like you, you suspect everybody at with those pieces in place. And with what Aaron just said about the ancillary characters, the other uh, people who work at the school, the, you know, their guards and teachers and, um, you know, uh, uh, watchers of children, et cetera. I legitimately thought up to the very end of the movie that it was mm-hmm. a plot by the rest of the school, everybody else at the school. Oh, you did including okay. children to, uh, to, to like, seize control and to like take power over that he was actually dead that michelle is like dead some
0: sort of like proletarian uprising oh yeah that's dude,
3: what I thought it was going to when, be bro when jason that crazy with it i was like oh <laughs> yeah, because, no. like the whole point is like you you had your you took your eyes off the ball right like you were paying attention to the rich and yeah. the powerful Sports. and the, the quote-unquote yeah. main characters of history yeah. and then all of a sudden look who's coming up behind
0: Yeah, that's a Uh, nice thing. I don't know how that would work. That that's interesting. I like the idea of that. I think that would
3: work because I
0: don't
1: know. I think that. I mean, not to just lay out my own cinema sins here, but like I think that would work because (laughs) Nicole would would have been like in on it the whole time, and she's the one sort of showing sympathy and empathy and really helping Vera along with this, uh, and they're like getting like the extent to which uh, Michelle like instead of just killing his fucking wife goes through this whole psychological terror thing to give him to give her like induce a heart attack two weeks of torture just to induce a heart attack tell me that it wouldn't be equally as believable that just like six people did that instead of one and those six people get to take over the school and those six people get to unionize and those six people get to drink nice wine and take better care of the kids because they want to buy better shit for the kid. anyway that's sort of what i i, I legit, legitimately thought up until the moment he stands up and pops his fucking eyeballs out i thought that's that's what's happening. And she's she's hallucinating or they're like they've got fish sh- string and they're pulling okay. him up out of the bathtub. I was that convinced of this ending, uh, which I guess maybe yeah, like no more-
3: one man could have done something like this. And then they're like, it the, wasn't one. Uh, you know?
1: m- OK, so the more I rant about yeah. it, the more I feel like maybe it is good, at least at the outrage of and we can talk about the relationship of this movie to its audience. But like maybe the outrage was the point, maybe like, oh, everybody was going to be scandalized by this ending, whether they liked it or hated it. Uh, and I don't think I liked it anyway. But, Which, um, like, that's a on-
3: really interesting point, right? Because my, my issue with the ending is a little bit different in that, like, I think that this movie betrays what is the hardest thing to believe about the movie and my favorite thing. Right, Which is like the relationship at the heart of this movie between a wife and a mistress who, at one point in their lives, loathed one another right like i to the to the point where like she admits once that she was like, Oh yeah, me and Michelle have talked about killing you before right It's like she lays that out that ends up being foreshadowing because that's exactly what she did, but like that makes the that's like an anti twist to me, you know because mm. it's like, oh, the thing that you suspected. Or the thing that makes sense to have happened, the mistress kills the wife, happens right where whereas like for me it was like the idea that these two people have this very complicated fraught but strong relationship to one another as women and are sort of like actually going to go through with this that would have been really great so like what i thought the ending was going to be while we're doing our sort of endings right laying yeah. it out, is that like that there wouldn't have been like a twist per se these two people's paranoia about one another would have just done them in mutually, right mm. like I really thought introducing the detective, um, there's that long scene where um, uh, Simone, sorry, Simone, is that her name?
1: Nicole is the character's name. Nicole,
3: I'm sorry. Yeah, Simone's the uh, actress. Um, She's watching watching Christina talk to the detective and she's getting like really nervous about it. They had had a lot of fights where they were sort of laying out the narrative that they were going to try to like hit one another with where it's like oh i was actually innocent in this here's how it happened and here's how you were just guilty i really thought that that this movie was going to play out like a tragedy about what happens when we don't trust one another right like a william friedkin movie (laughs) or like you know because like that would have been a really because it's like look at what we had we had this beautiful female friendship we had this like mutual caring for one another and then it was like brought down by our own sort of imperfections and paranoia, hmm. But instead it like it ultimately turns out that uh, Nicole is a much, much less interesting character than we thought she was. And that, unless, that was a big problem for me. Unless, unless. In
1: Diabolique 2, she decides to turn on him again. Then she's got the whole, the whole school on her side and she was actually playing for okay. him because she knew, because she knew that he had the cachet to make that all happen. Now she kills him centralized government um also one I,
3: more one <laughs> more angry sort of uh dumb point for me which is that when the detective walks up right and like busts them right afterwards he's like they're no. like oh and we'll be set for i don't remember the line but they're like for 15 or 20 years with this money and then he says 15 or 20 years in prison, prison. <laughs> and it's like oh shit one and it's more like, thing. so smug and it's like bro like your yeah. patron just died like you didn't, you didn't prevent this. <laughs> you could have showed thing.
0: up four seconds
3: earlier. Yeah, yeah. You, you know that.
1: You know that guy. Once he was done, just like waiting out there, just like he just uh, walked back
0: to the coffee shop. Set.
3: for so long. I know yeah. he could have just <laughs> kept it at any time. And, yeah, yeah and, and he's so <laughs> smug. He's like, I fucking cracked it, you guys. I still got it. And it's like she's literally in the room, like dead, slumped against the wall. <laughs> could they could
1: <laughs> they have
0: just like beat him up. You know, I feel like the two of them probably could have taken him on. You know, I like, like I don't French police have guns. Like I don't think so you know
1: that guy's not even yeah. a cop anymore he's retired no. emily yeah. kept leaning over to me and saying like you should be fucking golfing man go home what are you doing <laughs> uh finn i feel like you might have a few thoughts about the ending of this movie we've written two endings that we would have rather have seen uh how did you feel
4: i so when people talk about this they're like oh my god the ending it's inspired so much shit like it did inspire psycho um sorry to break this to you but it did inspire Columbo. like this is one of the things that yeah, uh, inspired that whole
3: formula. What if a detective um, was annoying? <laughs> 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 Excuse me, Monsieur. I
0: like Alfred. I'm oh, an also thing. an Alfred defender. Yeah,
3: yeah. I
4: liked him. I just thought he was, you know, y'all are right. Like he shouldn't have showed up at that point. Mm. My perfect ending would have just ended with her dying. Mm. Um, no, no fallout after that. Because mm. what I appreciate and I think is more important in terms of like the thriller genre is how this movie is shot. And a lot of like the lighting techniques. Um, One of my favorite scenes is the one early on where she's getting him to the house in New York and like they're filming. And so you see them talking, but she's being reflected in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And then there's a follow up to that later on where she's in the hotel Mm -hmm. and the door opens and you're just seeing her reflection. And all you see is her face. So you're like building up to like, oh my God, is this going to be him? And it's like a fucking janitor. (laughs) <laughs> Which, you know, we support workers. Um but just those techniques and then that incredible build-up too with the small like shot of a foot and you just see like the hand turning off the light mm-hmm. with no score, that was incredible. And if it had just ended with her, like you see her face, and then you see him come out of the bathtub, um, and then she dies, I think I would have been much more satifi- satisfied satisfied because it sucks. I like mm-hmm. her. Uh, but it felt more like her her trauma and felt more complete for her yeah. than having the uh, detective come in. It's like,
1: like yeah. Again, yeah, I mean, not to relate it too much to Psycho, but the, at the end of Psycho, like after the reveal that his mother's dead in the basement, there is that scene where it's like, oh, they're interrogating him uh, at the The worst scene and, in the movie and they're sort should of like absolutely oh. be cut. And this is what happened in the plot of the movie. Yep. Ka-ching! Mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock. That's presented. a really you know, good it was, point. It's, it's, pr- it's pretty cheap. And I think I agree with you, uh, Finn, if they were going to, go with this if they were going to go with this he's actually alive and there's a plot like let me put those pieces together at the very end uh, let mm-hmm. me be left with that horrifying image of him sopping wet uh, popping out his eyeballs <sighs> that and would be an end. Like, yeah. the end Di- diabolical don't don't spoil this movie you sons of bitches mm-hmm. um, Cody
4: which psycho stole <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, sons of bitches, Cody. Um, thank you, Jason. Yeah. I, uh,
2: I'm also, I, that's a really good point. Finn. I'm also pro like stopping this movie just like a, a little bit early. Um, I, for a few different reasons, I, I was trying to think back to the first time I watched this movie of like, what my, what my perception was of like, okay, where is this going to go? And I, I'm pretty like, not for nothing. I love the, um, the, the unionizing, um, resolution that has been put forth the, um, what Jason was talking about with the, the fish wire, you know, a little like weekend at Benoit's action going on. <laughs> um, um, would, would have loved to you, have seen that.
1: You jackass.
2: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I think uh, in my initial reading of just uh, just like, wow, what's going to happen here? I think like, he's actually just a ghost and like (laughs) the people at the school have nothing to do with it. These two women are going to have their awesome relationship with each other. And this dude is just like literally haunting them. He's the manifestation of like, like him haunting the shit out of them and like all of the pain that he caused them when he was living of that, just like not having left their minds yet. And, um, the, with that not having been the case, there's that, you know, the pathological liar kid who I don't think we've talked about yet, him as like a little, you know, plot device. And like he has that line earlier of, you know, oh, um, you know, he, uh, the, uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh Walter Matthau, I was, I searched for the English name of the guy I said earlier instead of uh, <laughs> his actual name, um, Michelle De La Salle. Um, again, my memory is phenomenal. Um, it's like, yeah, I saw, I, I saw him earlier and he like told me to to do this. And like, he has that follow-up line at the end where, yeah, I saw um, the lady De La Salle. And, but like, knowing that like, there's no like mysticism at play here or there's no, like, like there's no room for ambiguity or there's no like, huh, like that, that little shit, that little rich fucker left me a line to like leave the theater on and really mull over. But just like, the, no, like she's dead. We see, um, Monsieur like check her pulse at the end. So it's just, I don't know. It, it's like a line that did, mm-hmm. that did nothing for me. And I think scrapping that would have, um, I don't know, maybe like it's, it's such a little thing. It would have raised the floor for me, um, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, but, um, anyways, that's my two cents on, how this movie wraps up. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, and like
3: the other thing about it and and I really like the idea of Finn's ending too, especially the subversive idea that there is no explanation that we receive, like maybe it exists, but it's just sort of out there. Um, and, and maybe this is just a weakness of my own, but like when I watch movies from the fifties, I'm always really leery of like, Return to norm punishments, right where it 's like, oh, these people had to be punished because they strayed from societal definitions of right and wrong, um, and I was so sure that 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 was going to come home, especially when like uh, the mistress character says like oh i haven't believed in hell since I was seven right and like it's so the religion aspect in this movie is so frustrating to me, um, especially the way that it's like it 's like built into um uh, Christina's character so mm-hmm. intimately where she used to be a nun and that like that's a big part of her guilt that the whole like ghost haunting thing I agree with you it's really impactful in it's in that movie in this movie but like it makes the ending feel a little bit finger wagging to me in a way that I don't mm. like like I, I wish it would have been one of the things right like either there is there is the death and no other explanation and they get away with it or Vera was the mastermind all along or something along those lines. But here it's like, oh, we had to like really tidily make sure that everybody who committed wrongdoing in the eyes of the 1955 um, viewers gets their right like karmic justice inflicted on them by this fucking condescending retired policeman. And it's like, "Ah, I don't, I just, I wish that that didn't happen, you know? Especially the way he treats her throughout this movie. He's so condescending. Oh god, it's yeah, I mean he he thought that, you know, she
0: killed her husband. I don't know. He doesn't have the context for it that we have, you know. He he is definitely a little smarmy. He comes off a little smarmy.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No smarmy, Peter Falk. look,
0: all cops are bad, but smarmy <laughs> detective cop one you know, towards I the was, top of the list, you know. And
3: I was thinking about that the whole time. I was like, you know what this needs? Just <laughs> replace him with Peter Falk. Like perfect. Like you can't you love this character. <laughs>
4: That was like the 50s. He had to have been acting then, right? I not Just so. give him a little Wings yeah, of the Desire right. cameo. I was going to say
3: like yeah. a Jean Gabin. Gabin. And, and make your yeah, yeah, show that uh, John Cassavetes. Now that, that's a five-star <laughs> film. <laughs> oh, boy.
1: I don't know if you could make that character look worse than if you...
2: G- Gina
3: Come on. Now, it okay, it, it would have been the his first part. credit by
2: like a couple years. But yeah, Peter Falk could have made his, his cinematic debut in Diabolique. In right? how does that pronounce did I say that right anybody have a reference Diabolique.
1: Okay. Okay. Diabolique.
0: what is that is that from like a YouTube video <laughs> I, just, uh,
1: if, I am near the end of my list of discussion points but I don't think we're quite ready to get to the final segment of our show um, does anybody else have any lingering thoughts anything that they wanted to get off their chests before we head into the big CN
3: um, I just a, such
4: a small note oh, I yeah, normally so. hate children in movies <laughs> those kids funny as fuck
1: they were like yeah, they said good. fuck a lot more than i thought they would they said the yeah. word fuck a lot
4: when they like pop up into the attic with the retired detector and they won kids like <laughs> oh, yes. we are fucked Like we <laughs> fucked
0: up. <laughs> that's true to Incredible. kids that age yeah are, are those yeah, kids well, are they rich or are they, like,
1: are they are they are they there as boarding like like matilda boarding a, house kids it, or are because there's, oh, there's one kid who's like rich oh my house kids okay i was gonna say because there's yeah, one kid everybody else seems to be kind rich of living great. in not great conditions and then the one kid is like oh no my my uh my porter will be up to get my bags like what, what the fuck are you talking about yeah yeah
3: i yeah, do yeah, like it's, in general how oh go ahead eric no it's it's just wild that like there's like a whole sub-genre of like Lay enfant terrible French kids at school specifically. It's like I kept thinking about the 400 blows, <laughs> or like peppermint candy, or or stuff like that. Where it's just like, what is up with like French boarding schools? It's like such a trope uh, in, in, in English French-y. boarding
0: schools. Even worse, I feel like just yeah. Yeah, the ranking of European boarding schools, English, the here's, worst. Here's the of thing. All we, time, talked, undeniably. We, talked,
1: we talked a lot on one of our Romer episodes. I forget about uh, French vacation culture, and I gotta assume that that's like. You scale that down to working life, and it's like okay, that's there, there's a there's less of a of a, um, I guess of a like throbbing pulse of a work culture in France, and then you scale that down to being a child when you're expecting a lot more freedom. Send your kids away that, so
3: you can go on vacation. I was about to say <laughs> if,
1: if if you're at a boarding school and you're a French child supposed to be at like the height of your freedom, you're kind of a shit ass right off the bat. Like you're going to be a hellion no matter what. Right? Yeah. I think that's the sort of cultural line we have to draw there.
3: It didn't occur to me that these kids are rich either. I, I definitely, I think it was just the four hundred blows connection. But I, for like fully two thirds of this movie, I was like Charles Dickensing this shit, right? Where it was like, oh, these kids are orphans and they're because well, of the fish scene.
0: They're like they're yeah. eating like rotten fish, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: That and uh, you know, just strict uh, discipline and such.
0: Also, yeah, the bo- the boarding school. I mean, it's it's uh, uh, very purposefully. Uh, in fact, one of the notes on Wikipedia mentions like the design, the set design of this, this boarding school is purposefully kind of this kind of run down. Clearly, uh, Michelle, uh, I think is really probably the one to blame that. for like it not yeah. being yeah, yeah, kept up. That pool is the nastiest pool I've ever seen. <laughs> that is nasty. The that is like a, it, a Studio Ghibli, like yeah. long lost civilization pool with like muck growing in it. It is horrific, and the kid just like jumps in. He's yeah, chocolate what, chocolate milk at the bottom? (laughs) That was the part that
3: reminded me the most of the innocence, right? Is like there's this there's this like very southern gothic in France feel to this movie where it's like they're living in this like wild like Gotham City Arkham Asylum ruin, these kids are. It's gumbo. This guy's (laughs) like (laughs) or gumbo.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's
3: gumbo. Gumbo. I don't (laughs) know why I said gumbo. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs>
0: if they made gumbo in the South, it'd be called gumbo. <sighs> yeah, that's all I got, Jason. I think I oh, interrupted you. Though.
3: Did you have a note, Finn? You said you had a small note. Am I putting it on? Oh, those kids? it was just the kids. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. Kids. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I wanted co- to ask Cody. a question about that, actually, because I think you brought it up in your article. Um, mm-hmm. Is that like, it, was there a bigger reason for this to take place at a school in the novel?
4: I it wasn't in a school and I think oh yeah, no. So originally it wasn't said in a school and Clouseau found the like plot line of an insurance scam so unfilmable and just like boring that he and I think this is on Wikipedia, but there's another quote from an uh like an oral history I had found um uh, where he's like and I had tried everything. I tried a post office, I tried a bank, I tried a win, and then he finally landed on a school um so I, th- I don't think there was any particular reason outside of oh. he
3: thought he could film in that. Mm. I mean, he, the kids were a good addition, I guess. But like I kept waiting for them to be part of the plot, right? Like Especially well, this because is, of the name is, of the movie. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: My, this is feeding my read of the ending. Like, you have staff who want better conditions. You want kids who are kind of treated like shit. You have a boiling... Like an instant pot of pressurized people who Yo, all just want the same insane thing from one dark, guy.
3: All of the kids at the school were in on a
1: murder. <laughs> they they locked the detective up in the attic, they let him starve to death
0: there. Listen. Yeah. So we they, this they start like an outer
3: heaven for rich boarding school kids. <laughs> Never, they just came over.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, under, I understand the idea of like an insurance scam is like is certainly drier, but like double indemnity came out like before this, right? Like that's all about ins- insurance, insurance information and loopholes and whatnot.
1: He just didn't yeah. like to see Vera behind a desk. He wanted her up and about. That's true. Yeah, oh, good. I, good one. I
4: disagree, though. I think the kids, if they were going to kill anyone, those kids would have killed Nicole because they. <laughs> loved christina i mean from from the offset there's the juxtaposition of them like walking out silently from nicole's room and then like oh uh, adios is spanish (laughs) whatever the
3: french
2: say (laughs)
3: Um, like that's actually a really good point because there are like a lot of really interesting little like hanging threads in this movie like i love that that like She's like a weird mother figure to all of these kids simultaneously. And, like, it really plays that way. And I wanted that to be part of the plot, right? I Like, again, I wanted this sort of lesbian subplot to occur. Um, there they're like, a bunch of... Like you had said, Jason, there are like, a bunch of manifestations of this movie that would have been better than what we ultimately got. But, like, that's sort of interesting, right? Because, like, on the one hand, it's a disappointment. But on the other hand, the movie put those there, right? Like, I still... Like, I'm thinking about it. I, I had a lot of fun speculating and, and mm-hmm. watching and keeping pace with it. And so like mm-hmm. those are all big victories for this movie. So it's like it's you can't really um it's a land of contrast, I guess. Jesus oh, <laughs> Christ. Uh Cody,
1: you had your hand up once upon a time, but we never got to your point. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up oh, in our final segment here?
2: Uh we're miles away now, but uh yeah, shout out to the kids and like the kids being the lone maybe the lone source of like Like, um, how do I reframe this? Like, there's a lot of, um, dark humor in this movie, which I hadn't thought about until we were in the theater and like people were laughing at, um, or I guess it's not dark, but yeah, like the, the other employees at the school and them like complaining about the, the potentness, uh, the the potency, whatever the word is, um, how strong the wine is. Um, the scene where um, uh, uh, Christina and Nicole are like doing that back and forth of like, well, you made him drink. Well, you drowned him in the tub, and just like getting more and more like granular, mm-hmm. granular, nitty gritty, and just like like that scene, like uh, one reading of that scene, like it's kind of funny, and like there's there are other splashes of kind of dark humor. Um, but yeah, being the kids, just being like, like I'm genuinely laughing at these kids, um, a bright shining beacon upon this shadowy. Dank, musty, (laughs) shitty pool having movie. Um, Yeah, uh, how fucked up is it? Knowing that there was a thinking that there was a corpse in the pool. I Just want to reiterate. Oh yeah, (laughs) dive in in your in your in your shorts, young man. Oh yeah, that's that's another
3: legitimate feature of this movie for me, and like it does contribute to Jason's point is that I thought that there was a purpose to that right where like they keep showing with like great wild abandon the um casual nature in which they fl- inflict trauma on these kids right it's like it's just happening in the background where like they're having this this like very french sort of affair and like meanwhile these kids are starving they're being slapped around by their teachers they have to stand in the corner for hours and hours and i'm like this is fucking hell like these kids are living <laughs> in the hell because of like your problems and so like it it's effective, right? Like the, she straight up like tries to use this kid to like further her plot to find or not find the body, and it's like that would have been like the defining traumatic experience of that kid's life. <laughs> I mean, it turned out that she knew the there wasn't a body in there, which softens it a little bit. But like, fucking right. imagine if he if he dove down there and he found his teacher's body. It's like, goddamn, that's yeah. wild.
1: These kids That'd are be the real
3: diabolik. leak. <clears throat> Uh well I want to
1: ask uh Finn do you know how the um sister sister theme goes?
4: No but I've I've listened to a few of these.
1: Oh so you know the bit. Okay I don't need to I don't mm-hmm. need to find an outside reference for it. Okay. Uh then I'll have Harry help us intro our final segment of the show. Uh oh, Harry lead us and and Finn keep your mic on and join we'll line it up and it'll sound like like real music.
3: Yes. It is the segment we like to call <gasps>
4: Cody's, Cody's, Noties.
2: fuck yes! Wow, we should start a band. Thank you, That was that was real music. <laughs> Abusing uh, our guests. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. It was good. Oh, the negging never stops. No, thank you, everyone, for that very diabolical introduction. Uh, we're going to do some trilibs today, and for those unawares. <laughs> Trilibs is our attempt at recreating. Yeah, I am gonna go through the shtick where I explain what Madlibs is to everybody listening. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's our attempt at recreating the world famous game Mad Libs, where you take a story with some blanks that need to get filled in with various vocabulary terms, parts of speech. You don't actually know you know what's getting filled in. You're gonna get a, a zany yarn by the end of it to share with your, your friends and family and uh, and podcast listeners. So what I've done here is I've put together a little story. Um, somewhat inspired by the movie that we just talked about, and uh, I, I need some help filling in the blanks. So in the randomly generated order of Harry, Finn, Jason, Aaron, and then on a loop for as long as we need to, um, I'm going to ask you all for various types of, uh, again, parts of speech to fill these in, and um, we're going to have a story by the end of it. So starting with Harry, I'm going to be awkwardly clickety clacketing the, in the background here. Um, But Harry, you're up first from you. I need a name. I want you to name a name. Anderson. I was thinking
3: about the, do you remember the guy in our Japanese classes? Uh, Do you remember that guy, the white guy Guy? in the Japanese videos? Yeah. It's like.
0: uh, Oh, uh, yes. Yes. In the the animated videos about a a, a Westerner learning about Japanese culture yes anderson San learning out. the ways of yeah. business shout out to anderson son um come on the pod question
2: rock.
3: those
0: videos oh, were good those, yeah
3: <laughs> yeah they were great next also our, our teacher used to just like mercilessly shit on him do you remember that she was like "Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah. the japanese speakers in this in this are great except for him except for the white guy he's very good yeah that's usually the case uh next up we've got finn finn from you i
2: also need a name
4: fuck it Keanu
0: yeah.
1: right good choice good choice
4: you got me All thinking right. on the matrix
1: one of the best
2: one of the best uh, I watched a Keanu movie shortly before recording follow me on Letterboxd to find out what that movie is what's your um, Letterboxd <laughs> Cody Um, next up we've got Jason Jason from you I need an and
1: adjective uh, an adjective um, right. uh, soiled yeah, now we're talking. Um, now we're talking. Up... My soiled Prince of <laughs> Wales gray say that.
2: <laughs> yep, you are not wrong. Uh, Aaron, uh, from you, I need a name.
0: Oh, oh uh, uh, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff.
3: Yep. Jeff. El Jefe. Hmm,
2: that is what Sounds they racist. call him. Canonically. Just Jeff, no. please. Uh back around to Harry. Now Harry, uh from you, I'm gonna need um a name that you would maybe call somebody to insult them. That I I promise that's as specific as
1: very carefully, Harry. Yeah. This is live. (laughs) I'm
2: trying to think what I
1: called
0: all of you. Exactly.
1: Um You once called um uh uh Aaron Unctuous. I knew it was
0: gonna be me.
3: Did I? Ooh, unctuous. (laughs) I have a recording
1: of use of you calling him. Unctuous. Or,
3: unctuous wait is that even right or did i mean unctuous and i just mispronounced it i believe
1: the word is unctuous
3: yeah is it not? well they're both words they're just okay uh i'm gonna go with rascal instead but thank you jason <laughs> perfect unctuous um, I means I, I did, very oily so yeah well, i did i did slightly
2: okay, greasy guy <laughs> That's right. That is also canonical. I did have a slab of co- concrete that I did preemptively etch unctuous into, and then unctuous afterward, just underneath it, just in case, Thank but you. I did have a spare slab. Um, I've got Rascal locked in, so we're we're all good <laughs> there. Um, Finn, from you, could I please get a noun?
0: Pool.
1: Hmm,
2: interesting. Uh, I'd be curious to know the inspiration. It's very dirty pool. fucking uh, disgusting.
0: Very, I, I like movie. when we just try and guess the the titles <laughs> to be the movie that we just watched. <laughs> That's I'm just kind yes, yeah. Y'all trying
2: to to meta game make this into to cheat Cody's over here. Yeah. Uh, Jason, from you, could I please get the name of a city? Now we're
1: talking. um Cherbourg. Uh, 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 Like the Umbrellas? Like the Umbrellas of, baby.
0: Okay, yeah,
2: all right. Shiborg, comma, the Umbrellas of. Film podcast. Yeah, great film. Uh, I just watched that movie for the first time. Aaron, from you, could I please get a type of drug? And then after that, could you please um, audibly say uh, a type of drug, please,
0: for the game? Uh, (laughs) Okay. Oh, very good. Uh, How about uh, Robotussin? I see Holy where this man. is going, and that would be funny.
3: Not what I expected, I but I, I that, like I it. Think.
0: Right
2: um, Harry, from you, could I please get a verb?
3: Shot, Sh- shocked, or shocked? Shot, like like a gun, like you oh, shoot, oh, shot like, you could like go a. a shoot oh, you are taking over the run. Aaron role
2: for this game. Yeah, I like right. it. Harry's bringing gun stuff to the table. That's dangerous. Um, Finn, from you, could I please get a type of vehicle?
4: Oh, I don't drive. Uh,
0: for the best. Doesn't doesn't have to be a car, it can be any yeah. vehicle. getting real wacky with it.
4: Tight. Uh, ferry.
0: That's a great. Yeah. That is a great yeah. one.
1: That's Where does one that, that rank, best, Aaron, among modes of transportation? We got we got plane, we got ferry, we I, got bus, we got When train. it comes
0: to the trilibs, my my go-to vehicle cuz I haven't asked a few times it's always a tuk-tuk. Uh, I think I think <laughs> I ferry's up there ask, with I'm tuk-tuk in up. terms of funny. In terms of ru- ruining the Trilib story, Fairy and TikTok are both very good. Yeah. Okay. They, they made their escape game. in a fairy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see.
2: Yeah, again, you, you scheming metagamers, you. Yeah. Uh, Jason, a noun, if you would please syringe. You scheming metagamers. Uh, Aaron, uh, if you would please, something you would find at a school.
0: Um, say syringe mm-hmm. or, or say gun. Say one of those two. <laughs> no, no. Say uh, one of those two. uh, yardstick. <laughs>
3: Hey Jason, this movie's set in France, not a Sorry, am I right? Yeah, actually,
0: um, sorry. Can we change that to meter stick? I guess we're not. Uh, oh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, Meter stick.
3: Trying to yeah, be very interesting. Geographically.
2: Yeah, Jason's first uh, reaction to things you something you would find at a school: syringe and gun. I, and I thought, like, wow, what school did Jason go to? And then I remembered he was homeschooled. Homeschooled. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All of the questions. Um, all right. Moving back to Harry. I got to find the next thing. Harry, an exclamation.
1: Sacre oh, bleu. Yes,
2: yes, yes, yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, well, if We need another
2: exclamation, Jason. Maybe you can put forth that one. That's I was just one. about to say what
1: Aaron uh, said. Uh, so go ahead pee pee wait,
2: poo, poo. It's uh, not Finn, my turn yet. Do we, wait, do we still have,
0: yeah, do we still
3: have the, um, the soundboard?
0: Please don't. That's the worst sound clip. That's the worst sound clip. <laughs> please, don't su- them please don't make it clear. It's, it's like 40 seconds long. It's, it's pretty loud.
2: Go ahead. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for later. Maybe. Um, maybe. Finn, uh, from you, could I please get a verb? Tackle. Man, sports are popping off. They're in. Episode <laughs> They're getting their day on Try Love, yeah. yeah. I love it. They are. Every sport has its day. Um, and every Jason has its turn. And that turn is now. Jason, could I please get an adjective
1: from you? Um, Wrong. Ooh, a good wordle word, too.
0: Um, mm. Wait, like is, is that today's? Oh, maybe. no,
1: I haven't done mine. No. Uh, okay. Is it wrong today's? Oh, hey, look. To, um, Fun. Fun. No, I won't spoil anything.
2: Uh, what do we got next, Aaron? I need you, pretty please, to provide me a verb. Provide, provide me a verb.
0: Um, swim.
2: Very good, very good. And let's see. We're getting down to the wire. Uh, Only a couple more here. I always like to preview the end. And I think we're actually close to the end here. Uh, Harry, back to you. A noun, please.
3: Park ranger. A park ranger. All right.
2: Uh, Let's see. Finn, from you, could I please get uh, the name of an actor?
4: Jake Gyllenhaal.
2: And, oh, no, we're keeping with the greasy theme, um, Jake
3: Gyllenhaal.
0: <laughs> Jesus, come you? on, depends on the role, you know. Does. No, I, I do, he literally doesn't bathe, right? Yeah, he My famously doesn't,
3: doesn't bathe. That was all over the... Sorry, I, I'm sorry? You were off he Twitter the for the for that so. one. It's yeah, funny. Okay. It's funny that it just as a side
1: note, it's funny that guy could have like a career of twenty some years and nobody ever noticed that he didn't bathe until he like said it out out loud. I think I think that's a w. people just thought he because the
0: hair always looked textured. I think that man. that's a W. For also, them. he's yeah, hot. I mean, like that's yeah. the thing. He's that's like very hot in his hair. Maybe if you're that, really
3: yeah. hot, you don't have to bathe. I, I never really well. thought about that.
0: Or if you don't <laughs> bathe, you get really hot. What do we got to find well, out? There's and only one way to find out.
4: I don't. Cody.
0: I don't know, like where this is going. I
2: think I have to leave. <laughs> Cody, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll wrap this one up. Then uh, we've got our final one here, uh, and Jason, it is down to you to provide us the name of a movie.
1: Hmm. Diabolique, but the 1996 version. Very good. Which I'm going to watch Stone later today. Day. Yeah,
3: hey now, yeah, that's I. I, I have it. to believe it's extremely good with Isabel Adjani and Sharon and Sharon Stone. Stone.
4: That's like and the happy Bates and Chaz commentary.
3: Oh my heard. god, that's fucking wild!
2: It it is wild. Maybe not as wild as the story that's about to unfold here. Um, but I think we do have all of the appropriate pieces we need to put this narrative puzzle together. So Let's without further broken. ado. I present to you all Trilib's spooky crime. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, all right. There once was a boarding school owned by Anderson. Anderson was married to Keanu, a partner most soiled who ran the school's operations. Keanu had an open affair with Jeff, another member of the school staff. <laughs> Keanu was too much of a rascal and so Anderson and Jeff made a plan to murder Keanu. The fact that we're all unmuted makes this experience very different I'm going to try to keep it together. Um, so Anderson and Jeff made a plan to murder Keanu. Together under the threat of marital pool, Anderson and Jeff lured Keanu to the secluded town of Cherbourg. They tricked Keanu into consuming too much Robitussin after which they shot Keanu until the deed was done. That one worked out.
3: Probably didn't Anderson take that and Jeff... One.
2: It's yeah, very, very direct. Anderson and Jeff carried the body out to their ferry. The upstairs neighbors asked what they were hauling, but Anderson and Jeff simply said it was a basket of syringes. Uh, They traveled back to their school and dumped the corpse under the meter stick, uh, formerly yardstick. The next morning when Anderson and Jeff went to recover the body... Oh, these little giggles are getting me. The next morning when Anderson and Jeff went to recover the body, they found it was no longer there. Suckity blue! They shouted. (laughs) Oh, boy. After many days of searching and tackling, they were unable to locate the corpse of Keanu. It wasn't until one evening, the following week, that Keanu made their wrong return. When Anderson woke in the middle of the night to find Keanu standing in their doorway, Anderson screamed and Jeff swam from the shadows, knocking Keanu on the head with a park ranger. Anderson and Jeff got a look at the figure's face, and they were shocked to find that the ghost of Keanu was none other than Jake Gyllenhaal giving perhaps their finest performance to date. With their crime behind them, Anderson and Jeff treated the students and staff to a screening of Diabolique 1996. In hopes that no other memories would come <laughs> back
0: to haunt Hey kids,
1: you know what just fucking happened? You <laughs> not <I> believe it <laughs>
0: Look, we you couldn't find the, the original. Know. I hope this remake is good. Oh, <laughs> it's good like God. when my
4: friend died on Dia de los Muertos, and they all told me to watch Coco.
0: Oh no! I
4: don't know about
3: that. That seems bad.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, Cody, thank you so much for sending off every one of our episodes in such gloriously fun fashion. I hope this wasn't too much of a format change for you to hear us sort of giggling and snickering in the back. That was that was a fun addition. I, I to this. thought it
0: added to it. It's nice. This yeah, does. It's, it's a peanut kill. From my perspective, good flavor,
1: IMO. IMO, as producer, I think it was good. Uh, thank you very much, Finn, for being here. Um, where can people find you, Finn?
4: You can find me on Twitter at Finnematic. It's like cinematic, but worse. <laughs> um and that has my link trait of my Parisphere blog and my personal blog where I just kind of rant about movies. Um I watched Fresh recently on Hulu and I'm gonna be putting something up about that, which on the note of Diabolique, great movie about uh pick me women. Um mm-hmm. except this one has cannibals in it.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> All right. Pick <laughs> pick for the <clears throat> Sorry. Hmm. sorry i'm oh, sorry kind of i said i was sorry uh, <laughs> it kind of works anyway yeah and of course finn volunteers at the Trilon, so uh check out a movie there maybe you'll get to see them across the across the desk uh and hey maybe you'll get to see us there there are a number of cool series coming to the Trilon. um the uh, satoshi kone series is currently playing uh clouseau is currently playing the ishiro honda's godzilla is going to be playing later this year uh just a, a whole lot of good stuff go check out the website at trilon.org. Uh, You can also get tickets to uh, all sorts of other showings. Um, You can find out what else is playing that's not Trilon uh, series specific. You can get merch uh, and you can join the Trilon club. There's a lot of really cool ways to support the Trilon in this day and age, and you should find at least one. Uh, way to do that um one this listening to this podcast unfortunately not like a direct way to uh, support the trilon, but hey you know by by uh how much we're saying it i guess the seo must be really going through the roof on this whole trilon thing maybe maybe they'll like toss us one or two things along the way uh but we've we've been getting you know uh you know good good clip of of uh showings and guests and you know little little scraps here and there um just you know uh john just at me you know uh But this has what been is another do- episode. Of- what
0: are you doing right now? This has been a episode- sandwich, young man. <laughs> Thirsty boy. He's a he's what? What has this been?
1: Know. Harry, this has been our episode about diabolique. 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 <laughs> uh, my name is Jason Daphnis. You can find me on Twitter at nintendufus.
2: In the words of Tuvalu, he's gone. He's gone. You're better off. I'm glad that he's gone. Uh, Thank you so much for being here, Finn, and thank you for listening if you are listening to this. I've been
3: Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I don't have lyrics. That was beautiful, Cody. Thank you. Um, and thank you so much, Finn, for being on. Hope to have you back. Uh, it was great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Chitakehiri. My name's
0: Aaron. It's pronounced Tuvalu. Uh, thank you, Finn, for being on the pod. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at rb. please. Is it really pronounced Tuvalu? Yeah, it's pronounced Tuvalu. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Okay.
2: I'm going to go with Tovlo because I'm just trying to be the oh, best person Cody. that I can the be and I'm learning.
1: Intolerant and disrespectful of other people's pronunciations of their names. You'd love
0: to see well, I mean, a man <laughs> become more
1: bigoted.
2: He's
0: done for I'll, folks.
2: Alternatively, I mean, Jason, if you He's want dead. to go through the editing gymnastics of putting Aaron's pronunciation <laughs> on top of mine. Tuvalu.
3: The cancellation of Cody <laughs> Narvison by the coward Aaron Grossman. <laughs>
2: I haven't actually listened to Tuvalu since, like, I don't know. She's uh, got got bangers. uh, Yeah, I need to listen to those recent bangers. In any case, uh, it's always the ones who know how to swim that get drowned. The ones who can't don't go near the pool.